Welcome to So Says Rick. Mostly True Stories by Rick Hall. Welcome to episode 28. Hi. You know what? I think we need to stop numbering the episodes as we get to them. Why? Because we've done so many, we're, I'm kind of losing track, and I don't think anybody says, oh my gosh, it's 28, did I listen to 26 and 27? <laughs> so Good point. We'll just say, welcome, welcome to... Welcome to So Says Rick. That's right. Now we've done it. And I know I say we're going to do something different all the time. Well, we're not going to do something different. We're going back to the original tried and true format, talking, story, and talking. Well, then it is different because it's not what we've been doing lately. <laughs> Dang it. Dang it. <laughs> okay. No, it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for patronizing me in front of our audience, honey. So what's new, honey? What is new? Oh, I've got something. Can I start? Yes. I ask you and then I start. I've finished recording the narration of my second audio book. And actually, it's not mine. It's my friend Phil Swan. He's written a series about this trumpet player named Trip Calloway. And he ends up uh, getting into all kinds of troubles and solving crimes. Mysteries, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's a gig mystery series. So I've done uh, the second book for him. And I'm going to start the third book for Phil. When it finally is ready on Audible, I will give a little sample on So Says Rick. Excellent. Maybe episode 31. Well, but as we learned with the first book, it takes longer to get processed than you would think. Oh, amazing. They say it takes about a month and it takes a lot longer than that. They're just yeah. kind of slow there. And what else? Oh, we worked on something together during the pandemic. Yes, we did. And we work on a lot of things together, I Rick. know, I know, but we've... Something is finished, and I, and it's out there now. Well, at least close to out it there. It will be. So we worked on a film, which was all shot on Zoom, which is really interesting, that some friends of ours, Dan Castellaneta and Deb LaCosta, wrote. Right. And Rick played a detective, right? A detective Chowder was my character name, and he, he chewed on toothpicks all the time to stop smoking cigars, but then he had to quit the toothpicks, so he had to went back to smoking cigars. <laughs> so it's kind of a comedy, old-time film, film noir. noir, right? And it's based on an old film noir movie where everything was shot from the detective's point of view, so it worked perfect for Zoom. We all recorded it at our own houses, and I think it's going to be really cool. And what Laura did, you did, what did you... I wrote the... <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> no, I mean, you tell them. I wrote the theme music and some some incidental underscore music right. as well. And our friend Julie Brown sings a torch song that Laura wrote. And then Danny sings part of it, too, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, it's a very funny script. So when it is out, we'll let you know. We're it should be soon. Probably episode 33. <laughs> <laughs> we're all about the teasers. But we're not counting episodes anymore. Exactly. Hey, you know what's funny? Right before we recorded this, Laura had a piece of music sitting on her her music stand, and it's a new song, and it's a great song. And I know I'm just teasing about, oh, this is coming and this is coming, but when you get that song done, it's a really great song about your mom. Yeah, I was hoping to have it ready for Mother's Day, but, you know. You're too busy doing episode 28 of So Says Rick. <laughs> 
Well, I think we should get to the story, honey. Yes. So Rick's going to tell a story called Huskies, which is one of the first stories he wrote. Yeah. And was in the original Pig Boy show, and then we recorded it on the Slice of Pie CD, and that's what you're going to hear. And the story is from my perspective as a 10-year-old boy. And at one point in the story, I have this fantasy where I save a beautiful girl from these Indians who were attacking. And somebody told me, they, they listened to the CD and they said, is it appropriate to say Indians attacking? Well, back then, we didn't have any other language. It was the 60s. Right, right. <laughs> and we didn't have we didn't have better language like native people or first people, you know. And it's from my perspective as a 10-year-old boy, so I chose to keep it just like it was originally. We're going to listen to a recording. It was recorded in 2008 in front of a live audience. A live audience feels so odd I now. Know, I know. That's <laughs> Coming like, out what of the treat. pandemic. Yeah, there's people laughing and responding. It's And you're all in the same room. Uh, woo. <laughs> <laughs> so here it is, Huskies. When I was a kid, I was a fat kid. Not big, fat, sloppy, jelly belly fat. No, no. I was cute, cuddly fat. <laughs> Little old ladies at church couldn't keep their hands off me. They'd, they'd pinch my cheeks, they'd rub the bristles on my flat top, and they'd give me big, wet, lipstick-smearing grandma kisses. <laughs> oh, you're a cutie pie. Oh, I'll bet you're a good eater, aren't you? <laughs> I'd like to take you home with me. And I didn't mind getting poked and pinched by the little old ladies at church because I knew if things ever got bad at home, I could go live with any one of them. And they'd treat me good, too. It wouldn't be like at my house. When I got home from school, they wouldn't send me out in the cold to go milk the cows or feed the pigs. They'd say, oh, look who made it home, safe and sound. You've had a hard day at school. Why don't you just sit down and watch some Gilligan's Island and rawhide, and I'll bake you a batch of chocolate chip cookies you won't soon forget. (laughs) And the little old ladies from church wouldn't make me wear huskies. Yeah, if you don't remember what huskies are, let me explain. Huskies are genes that are made of a gene-like material, okay? They're, they're genes for fat boys is what they are. But the material they're made of, uh, do you remember iron-on patches? Yeah. yeah, okay, I had whole pants made out of that stuff. No matter how long you wore them, no matter how many times your mom washed them, they still stayed stiff as a board. And my mom bought them really long in hopes that I'd grow into them, okay? There was so much extra material, she had to cuff them on the inside. And the material went above my knee. So I had two layers of material at my knees that wouldn't bend. I went through my grade school years like the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz. Needless to say, I got picked last for any sport that included running. Think about it. That's all of them. Yeah. Huskies got me kicked out of the Boy Scouts, too. Our den mother, Mrs. Sullivan, she took us in the backyard to get our rope climbing badge. Well, I knew I was going to have some trouble getting my fat rump up that rope. So I, I hung back a little bit and watched the technique of the other boys. They'd grab the rope with their hands, then wrap their legs around it, and then using their arms and legs together, they'd climb the rope, okay? I was wearing huskies. I couldn't wrap my legs around the rope. And there was no way I could pull that much weight up there just using my arms. Hey, 
Jack LaLanne didn't have that much of her body strength. <laughs> That's when I broke down and told my den mother about my rare and painful skin allergy that could be triggered by merely touching a hemp rope. Huskies cheated me out of a career in the Boy Scouts. Huskies got me beat up at school, too. See, I rode the bus with the toughest kids in the school, the Whitlock family. Danny, Lenny, Benny, Jenny, and Luke. They were tough. Any one of them could beat me up, even Jenny, and she was two years younger than me. And wearing Huskies was like, like wearing a big neon kick-me sign. So when I got on the bus, I knew if I sat too far to the back, I'd just get pounded on all the time. So I quickly learned I had to sit in the safety zone, that one seat right behind the bus driver's head. Our bus driver's name was Tubby McGuire, and I would sit behind Tubby, and sometimes I'd talk with him, but most of the times I'd just daydream. Oh, I was a good daydreamer too. There's something about seeing cornfield after cornfield after cornfield... I can almost hypnotize you after a while. And I, and I was always making good daydreams. I'd save, I'd save beautiful women from bad guys. And it was always older women, too. Sixth graders. <laughs> My, I had a reoccurring favorite daydream. I would save Shirley Farley from, from savage Indians. And they were vicious, too. They were the Kick-A-Cow-Pie Indian tribe. No, no, you won't, you won't find the Kikakalpai Indians in your history book because they were so vicious and so mean that after they killed off everybody and everything around them, they fought amongst themselves till they killed off each other till there was only one left. Ironically, he stepped on a thorn, died of an infection. Hmm. The Kikakalpai Indians had Shirley tied to a stake. They were going to burn her alive. I was up on the hill with my Shetland pony, Chipper. <clears throat> The wind was blowing Shirley's hair. Her blouse was torn open in that sexy way, you know? Of course, I was only 10, and my, uh, my introduction to sexy was just the uh, catalogs we had at home. So she was just, uh, she was Sears catalog sexy. <laughs> but believe me, there's some powerful images for a 10-year-old, believe me. So I'm up on the hill with my Shetland pony chipper. The wind is blowing Shirley's hair and blowing her blouse, occasionally giving me glimpses of her foundation garments. <laughs> then, right before they lit the fire, I jumped on Chipper's back. I rode into the camp. They shot arrows at me right and left. I got lucky. Most of them missed me, and the ones that did hit me just happened to hit me in the legs. And I was wearing a new pair of Huskies. <laughs> Nothing would penetrate my armor. I rode up to Sh Shirley. I pulled out my trusty Barlow knife, cut the rope. She fell onto Chipper's back and held on tightly to me as we rode back into town where I was treated to ice cream sandwiches, compliments of the mayor of Carrollton. <laughs> By the end of that uh, daydream, the bus ride to school was over. Now, once I was at school, I could avoid the Whitlocks, okay? It's free range then. You can get away. But at the end of the day, we lined up for the bus again, and that put me back in close proximity to all the husky haters. We lined up for the bus after school every day. And every day, Denny Whitlock cut in line. Cutting in line is a major violation of kids' rights. And man, one day I couldn't take it any longer. I walked up to Denny, and I don't know what I was thinking, but I tapped him on the shoulder, and I said, Not today, bucko. <laughs> Next thing I knew, I was on the ground and Bucko was beating me. 
Well, actually, we were both throwing a lot of punches, and I'm, I must have connected one because all of a sudden he sat straight up and fell over backwards and laid on the ground. I, I looked up, and all the kids had gathered around to see the Christian get sacrificed to the lion. <laughs> and there lay the lion, wounded. I stood up, marched through their ranks, went straight into the principal's office. And I couldn't see over the counter, but I could see Loretta. The secretary was there because I could see the top three inches of her beehive hairdo. I said, Loretta, Mr. Schiff better do something about that Denny Whitlock or I'm gonna. And she said, go get on your bus, honey. You're going to miss it. I went back outside ready to deal another death blow if that's what was needed. My friend, Terry Twitchell, the Twitch, he came running up. He said, the Whitlocks are going to kill you, man. I said, what are you talking about? They want it? Bring it on. They came to the right place. I took care of Denny, didn't I? He said, what are you talking about? Denny would still be beating your dead corpse right now if your sister Vicky hadn't run up and hit him in the middle of the back with her clarinet case. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Not only was I not the conquering hero, but I had been saved by my sister and her clarinet. I looked at the crowd. They parted. Denny was standing in the middle. He was standing, and he saw me, and he turned and started running straight for me. I froze in place. I couldn't move. I closed my eyes, just waited for the impact, but it didn't come. Instead, I felt a firm hand on my shoulder and Mr. Schimpf's voice. All right, you kids, get on your buses. It's over. I opened my eyes. Mr. Schimpf had me by one shoulder and Denny by the other. And he leaned in and he rumbled in that voice that's louder than any yell. And he said, you boys, if I have any more trouble from you, you're going to get swats and expelled. We turned to go towards the bus and I looked at Denny for a second and I saw something I'd never seen before. Denny's eyes were red and his nose was running. Denny Whitlock had been crying Nobody had ever seen Denny Whitlock cry before. We got on the bus. He went on before me. Tubby McGuire saw him and said, Denny, looks like you've had a bad day. Why don't you sit in the seat right behind me? And Denny didn't say a word. He just sat in the safety zone. I walked about halfway back and sat with the twitch and just waited for the Whitlocks to come descend upon me, but they didn't. No, no, they focused their attention on Denny. Boo-hoo! Look at Danny! Ooh, he's got to sit by the bus driver so he doesn't get hit! Oh! Hey, cry baby! Better sit in the front seat! Look out! Here comes a clarinet player! Oh no! Here comes a flute! <laughs> Suddenly, I wasn't the weakest one in the herd, and the pack of the wolves in the back of the bus knew it. Right then, I knew things would never be the same. I had earned the status as a kid who stood up to the school bully when no one else dared. That's right. You don't mess with a husky-wearing boy and his clarinet-wielding sister. I love hearing that story again. It was really fun. Well, if I can say so myself, it is fun to hear that story again and relive that whole thing. Okay, but my favorite part is where Vicki hits the bully in the back with her clarinet case. Right. And I'll bet people will want to know if that's actually true. A hundred percent true. I really thought I was the hero. You can't make that up. Nope. It wasn't until the Twitch said, 
told me what happened that I realized what a phony I was. So, <laughs> yes, I really was that dumb. We got to tour with this show in the Midwest, and it was really fun to it go was. back to Carrollton High School. We filled the gymnasium. It was great. The only thing is, I'm telling stories about those people. That's part of the problem, what? is that you're not very good at changing the names of the characters, so it's really obvious who they are. Yeah. Right, like yeah. in this story, the character Shirley Farley. Yeah. What's her real name? <laughs> you're going to make me do this, huh? Yep. Sherry Fraley. <laughs> she no way she could guess that that was her. Shirley Fraley could never figure out that Sherry Fraley. As a matter of fact, after the show in Carrollton, she came up to me and said, "You know, you can use my real name." <laughs> and I was like, "How did you figure it out?" And she goes, "I'm not stupid, Rick. Shirley Farley, Sherry Fraley." Yeah, and, and then I'm like, "I'm the dumb one again." Like, really? Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but you did change the bully's name. But he would still know it was He him. knows who it was, and I kind of, I'm not going to say his real name, but it's really close to what his <laughs> name is in the story. You're going to have to watch your back. Boy, <laughs> I'll go back home and get beat up. Man. I'll follow you with a clarinet case. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a good place to end the show. I've told a story, I'm in danger, and my wife is following me with a clarinet case. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. In this story, Sherry Fraley. No, wait. What's her real name? Shirley, For Shirley Farley is Sherry Fraley. Oh, okay. In this story, the character Shirley Fraley. <laughs> <laughs> her name is Shirley Farley in the story. Shirley? Shirley Farley. Okay. In this story, the character Shirley Farley. <laughs> no. That's right. That's her name. <laughs> okay. What's her real name? Sherry Fraley. Sherry Fraley. See, I can't even keep them separate. So you say Shirley Farley. All okay. you got to have to say is Shirley Farley. Okay.